Christian greetings to each one this morning. Glad to be here and share with you from God's Word. Glad to uh, be here and visit family and visit friends and be here again. But there's a lot of new people here, and I don't know you all, but uh, many of you I do. So we welcome you to come to Grand Junction and visit us there and uh, share with us there. It's, uh, we have much to be thankful for, do we not? That we have this great God we've been talking about this morning and been uh, inspired by his providence and his, all that he has made and his design, his perfection. And, and uh, I have a, had an atheistic uh, customer also one time that it was so depressing to visit with him because of his, his other utter uh, rejection of God. And uh, it hurts you to see people like that. And, uh, but there is a God and somehow he thought that mankind would eventually discover uh, a reason for being here in our, the, the ultimate design and, and what happened in that, uh, that we are here and so on. That to have faith just to believe that God did it was the easy way out. Well, yes, the Christian life, uh, that Sunday school verse you had this morning, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, uh, just to believe God is, is an easier way, isn't it? Uh, man makes it hard. Man makes it hard. This morning I'd like to talk about uh, faith and works. And this is uh, something I shared at home, shared elsewhere. And uh, it's not a new subject. It's just a common old subject, but I hope it can add inspiration to life as we think of faith and works. It's been debated since, for years, man has debated this. Uh, how that we are saved by faith alone. You know, we, have, we could ask some questions. Do, does, do works have anything to do with our salvation? Uh, are we saved by faith initially, but we're, we stay saved by grace? Or how does this all work? How does it all fit together? Does faith alone save us? Let's uh, go, to, I hope we can answer those questions as we look at this subject in a scriptural way. And I have a lot of verses this morning, so I hope I don't weary you. But uh, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. This is oft quoted uh, in this subject. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, very common verse, says this, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. Grace is a gift. You know, all of us have been given gifts uh, in life. Salvation is a gift. Uh, we have received gifts from our church, from our brethren, from others. Many gifts have come our way. And when somebody gives a gift, that is there for our taking we are 
to just receive it with thanksgiving. And uh, it's not, gifts don't have, uh, shouldn't have strings attached. Uh, and God's gift to us is his salvation, his grace that he has extended to us. And we are the, the recipients of that grace if we, are, if we receive it. But we have to receive it. We have to accept it. And God does not expect us, or we cannot earn it. A gift is not earn, something that's earned, um, a true gift. So we have to reach out in faith to accept it and have to believe in it. Now, we'll so somewhat use faith and grace uh, interchangeably because grace is what God gives to us, but faith has to reach out and accept it and receive it. It's all a part of the salvation plan. If it were by works, it would not be a gift. It would, uh, you know, it's wages earned. Uh, if I work for someone and, and he pays me, then that's wages earned. It's not necessarily a gift. But many churches today, Protestant churches uh, that will promote that were saved by grace alone and, and, or by faith and, uh, and uh, believing in this grace. You know, they'd do better if they would leave off the word alone. We're saved by grace through faith and leave the word alone just just leave that off. We're saved by grace through faith. And I say, <clears throat> we believe in this doctrine, don't we? We believe in this doctrine. I believe in this doctrine that I'm saved by grace through faith. But we, uh, we want to round out that, that doctrine as we look at the word of God. <clears throat> True, genuine faith will have, will carry with it, and will bring with it other doctrines of the word. That is not the only one. That's the basis. That's the, that's the foundation. We're not, there, there's no other way except by grace through, and, uh, and believing that in faith and receiving it by faith, accepting that gift to us. But, Grace and faith, when they are working together and or when the, that foundation is right, then there's a practical outworkings of that faith. There's going to be practical outworkings. It doesn't stand alone. There's other aspects of it that we must consider. That's repentance. And there is obedience. And there is fruit bearing which are all scriptural doctrines as well. Because, and then in the end, we will also want to notice in this message how we will be judged. But to um, th this, uh, years ago, years ago, I uh, met a man in my work and he was doing a, a prison, had a prison ministry and I asked him, what do you present in your gospel? What do you present? What is your teaching to these in this prison ministry? And he said, 
uh, oh, they basically teach grace and forgiveness, faith and grace and forgiveness. And I, I thought about that later and I thought, you know, they're missing a really important uh, factor here. A really very important ingredient to grace and faith, and that's repentance. And that is so often what is taught today is, is grace, the free gift of grace, and we accept it by faith, and God forgives us, and, that's, and now that takes care of everything. And then sidestep repentance. And when you sidestep repentance, uh, finally you don't have grace and uh, either. Uh, it's all a part of turning around. And uh, somehow that God just forgives us where we are. And it's by grace alone and faith alone. And then everything, he just forgives everything and it's all taken care of. And, and people haven't truly repented. And then in the prison ministry myself, I've met a girl who just struggled with, struggled with. She, she's in prison and she determines to change her life, but she gets out and she goes right back into her old sins. And well, if there's not proper repentance, repentance, you have to turn around. You have to go the other way. You have to go the other way. and. Uh, and that means maybe rejecting even your old friends, going the other way. You have to go the other way. And the re that's repentance, re totally rejecting and uh, repenting from your past. So <clears throat> we're talking about faith and works. I wanna talk now more uh, directly about faith, what the Bible teaches about faith. In Galatians 5, verse six, it says, for in Christ Jesus, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. I believe that might be verse 16 instead of verse 6. Let me see here. Galatians 6 to 5. Well, that's not the correct, correct reference. It is... Um, Anyway, uh, it's a 6 verse 15. It's 6 verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, especially talking about the old law here in this, in this book, availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. So we're talking about faith. Faith, it's a new creature in Christ Jesus. That is, that is this doctrine of, of faith, of believing. And then in John chapter 3, Verse 15 and 16, very uh, clear, direct teaching on believing. Believing, which is the uh, foundation, the same as or, uh, a synonym to faith. But uh, John chapter 3, verse 15 says, For whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Verse 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, 
And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. We see how important believing is, how important faith is. If we do not have faith, if we do not believe, we, are, we cannot be a Christian. Romans 8 verse 32 says, He that spared not his own son, and this is now uh, switching a little to the other side of grace, being free. He that spared not his own son, but believed, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And uh, speaking about that free gift, Romans 3 verse 24 says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. How important faith and grace in this salvation experience and something we all know and believe in. Romans eleven six 6 uh, also brings out that grace can only be, uh, or, or that we must be buried with him. Oh no, 11, Romans 11 or 6, that is, uh, it's, a, it's a, f a free gift there. That's uh, the teaching in Romans 11, 6, I should have looked that up. And it, if by grace, then is it no more of works? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. And so to simplify that a little bit is that if we had to work it out, then it wouldn't be a gift. If we would, it wouldn't be grace anymore. Grace is something that we are given that we don't deserve. And if we don't deserve it, uh, if we deserve it, then it's wages. But if something that's given to us that we don't deserve, that is grace. That's, that is what grace is. Mercy is that which is withheld from us, which we do deserve. But grace is that which we don't deserve, and it's given to us as a gift. Romans 6, 23 uh, says that sin, be sin begets wages, but uh, the gift of God is eternal life. It is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God, that is his grace, is eternal life. He gives that to us. It, and uh, so as we look at these scriptures, we see that grace is uh, not grace if we have to earn it. <clears throat> so eternal life can't be bought by giving uh, to the hungry. You know, I have worked with a man who was a great giver, very benevolent. He would give, go down to the homeless or to the baked goods, uh, the, the uh, bakeries, get old donuts, you know, day old or whatever, to the homeless. And he would, uh, if we get, came to his house to visit him, he'd give us something, always give us a turkey out of the freezer or a or uh, something to drink. He'd always give us something. Uh, he was giving us gifts. He gave me tools. He gave me equipment that I think was worth probably hundreds of dollars. He gave me things. Uh, he was benevolent. But he had somehow this idea, but he was a liar. And, and that's very contrasting. He was a liar. Uh, and he would tell you whatever, whatever people wanted to hear. He said, tell them what they want to hear. You just tell them what they want to hear. He was that kind of person. But he was a giving person. But he thought that someday when you talk to him about spiritual things, 
Uh, you learn not to talk to, to him much about spiritual things because he would, he would go on a tirade and, and uh, it was like you're casting your pearls before swine. And so you just learn to, how to deal with him. But he thought that somehow on the day of judgment, you know, he was going to somehow pull the ear of God and tell him, you know, all the good things that he's done. He did a lot of good. I mean, he, cared, he shared a lot. He was very benevolent. He shared a lot with people and gave, but he somehow he thought he could pull the ear of God and convince him of the good works, of the good works that will that are only filthy rags because they're not born because he was not born of the spirit so salvation is a gift it is not earned we receive it by faith let's go to ephesians 2 uh, maybe you're still there ephesians 2 verse 1 through 9 And you hath he quickened, who are dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, there's his mercy. He has held back what we deserve. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Here is extension of something of a gift that we don't deserve. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So <clears throat> we see our uh, friends today, uh, how they teach us that we're saved by faith alone. And I've been in those Protestant Bible studies twice, uh, one time to, uh, yeah, and, and, uh, and we were surrounded by uh, Protestant believers, and they were very strong in this, that we are saved by faith alone. And it seemed like useless to try to persuade them otherwise. So <clears throat> what does true faith and grace entail? Well, true faith believes all the word of God. Romans 3.10 says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No, it says there is none righteous, no, not one. There's, no, none, no, there's none righteous, there's no one righteous, no, not one. Verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Faith believes what the Bible says about me. Faith believes that I'm a sinner. 
Faith believes that I need salvation. Faith believes that I'm born in my sin, and born in sin, and I need salvation. Faith believes all the word of God. Believing produces then a response, a crucifying of self. Galatians 2.20 says uh, there, he says, I am crucified with Christ, yet not I, but Christ, nevertheless not I. Uh, am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So I, faith believes what God says about me. Faith reaches out to that grace that he has offered so freely to me. Faith believes. Yes, as we noticed, we believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We believe in him, and if we don't believe, uh, we can't be his child. But belief produces this kind of response, like Paul had, <clears throat> that we die to self, we repent from, from our sins, and we choose to accept that grace that has been offered to us so freely. Romans 6 also speaks of being buried with Christ, which has the thought of, of dying to self, dying to the flesh, and um, dying to self. So <clears throat> believing, true faith and true believing will be productive. It will be, a, there will be an outworking of that believing. Uh, it's just the way it is, it's just the way it works. Uh, that leads us to the next point on the aspect of good works. <clears throat> now, if you're still in Ephesians 2, verse 10, we see the salvation experience. We see that we, are, we come to God through faith and uh, accepting his grace. We believe his word of who we are, where we've come from, and that without him and being born, just being born into this world, we have the sinful nature. <clears throat> and that that must be crucified, that must be buried with Christ. <clears throat> so verse 10, Ephesians 2 verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So God ordained that that uh, we notice the first part that we're saved by grace through faith and it's not of works that we can do like this man I was talking about that I worked with that thought somehow he could earn salvation it's not uh, but but he's created us he's created us to be workmen for him to be good workmen unto good works that's what he wants us to do. Now let's go back to John 15. Now we noticed we were in John when we, uh, when Jesus met with Nicodemus, or Nicodemus came to his house <clears throat> where Jesus was, and he's, he admonished him, he taught him how, how important it is to believe. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, verse 15 also, and 18, and verse 36, believing 
We must believe all that God says about us. But John 15 now, uh, before Jesus was, uh, gave his life, he says, <clears throat> uh, we'll start at verse 1. I am the true vine, and the, my father is the husbandman. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, and I'm going to highlight these words, that beareth not fruit. We're talking about good works now. That side of the salvation experience for the true Christian, how he needs to live. That beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. And we can see that in our own lives, can we not? How God has purged us betimes. He has purged us. He has trimmed us that back. And he has, has laid his hand upon us and helped us to grow, grow in him and bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean, verse 3, through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. No. This man that I worked with, he was trying to bear fruit of himself. He was not attached to the vine. Except it, uh, it cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. We must maintain that belief, that faith, that attachment to this vine, to this trunk, to this living uh, being Jesus Christ I am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing if a man abide not in me he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and they cast them into fire and they are burned if ye abide in me my words abide in you ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. That's as far as I wanted to read here. Matthew 5, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven that they might see your good works. Faith that produces good works. We have a faith that works. A faith that produces fruit for the glory of God. It must be attached to the vine. It must be attached to its source. Colossians 1.10 says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So do, are we saved by faith alone? If we take it with the rest of the scriptural doctrines, uh, well, we still need to leave that alone off. We are saved by faith. And that faith will produce a fruit bearing, as we notice in John 15, bear much fruit. And if we are not attached to the vine, we will die and there will be withered fruit. There will be no fruit. First Timothy 6 verse 18 says that they do good 
that they may be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Titus 2.7, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Verse 14, purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. This is what God expects of people that believe, people that have faith in the living God and are attached to the vine that they will bear much fruit. Hebrews 10, 24. Uh, still in Titus. Titus uh, 2, verse 14. Purifying to himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. And then verse chapter 3, verse 8. Careful. It says, careful to maintain good works. Hebrews 10, 24 says, we are to provoke each other to love and good works. 1 Peter 2.12 Having our conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. And this is so beautiful as we think about that that people in the world see Jesus Christ through us. They see Jesus Christ shining through us that they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So how are people gonna see our faith? How are they gonna see our living faith? They're gonna see it by our good works and how we love each other. And that's part of it. Let's turn to James 2, verse one through, well, we won't read the whole uh, chapter, but uh, this is again so clearly shows how faith and works go together. <clears throat> James chapter 2, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> I think we'll <clears throat> drop down to verse 20, uh, 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Can faith save him? Can faith alone save a man, a woman? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye, have not, ye give them not those things which are needed, needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. So here we see uh, that, that word again. So if, remember, we leave the alone off. Here he says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works, <clears throat> show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac, Isaac his son upon the altar? 
<clears throat> see that Abraham, he proved his faith <clears throat> because he, he did something about it. He obeyed God. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? And by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise, also, and it uses Rahab for an example. <clears throat> so, what is convincing to the world? It is again the good works. The good, the, out, the outworking of faith, the outworking and the fruit bearing of a believing body. We are created unto, the, our, unto good works. If our faith does not produce good works, as we've noticed, it is dead and it stinks and it stinks. It is people who talk and don't work it out. Don't bear fruit, it is a dead faith. So faith will produce good works. Faith will bear fruit. Faith will believe what God says in his word about me, that I'm a sinner, I need grace, I need salvation, I need to believe. <clears throat> Let's go to, now as we think about obedience, we've uh, brought into obedience here in James chapter 2, go back to Matthew chapter 7, and a very familiar scripture here, but uh, Jesus says that in the judgment, or we take it as in the judgment, that's what we understand, Matthew 7, uh, verse 21, he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will come say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name have cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And then he goes on to enlarge on that, and he says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, and doeth them, obedience, his house is going to stand. It's, his house is going to be like one on the rock, and the rains descend, the floods come, and it won't wash away. It'll stand. But those who hear the word and don't do it, are like a house on sand and the rains come and the floods and it, it just floats away it doesn't stand Titus 1 16 talking about obedience now as we think of uh, fruit bearing and of uh, works Titus 1 16 says they profess that they know God but in works they deny him and it goes on and says, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work, reprobate. They profess, but in the works they deny him. They profess that they know God. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 19 says, uh, 
Remember, we in the beginning on grace and faith, we, uh, it, we had this verse in Galatians 5, verse 16, says, or 6, verse 15, I think it is, uh, that circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision isn't anything uh, but a new, a new birth. I'm just saying it my own way. But a new creature, a new creature. And in 1 Corinthians 7, 19, it says that, again, it's going through the old law. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision isn't nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. The keeping of the commandments of God. So here we have obedience, good works. Does God save us by faith alone, as James 2 says there? No, if it's by just if if that stands alone and we cast aside works and obedience, we'll come to the judgment and we'll be we'll be short. We'll be lacking something. God will say, I never knew you. He expects he has given us things to do. He has given us things to live by. Guidelines and principles to live by. And he expects us to live by that. 1 John 2, verse 3 and through 6. This is a very clear scripture here in regards, in regards to obedience. He says, and hereby, verse 3, 1 John 2, verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. We're talking about obedience. Are we saved by grace alone? If we keep his commandments, he expects us to obey him. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Whoso keepeth his word. His word. And verse 6. He that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. So Jesus is saying that we need to walk like I walk. And that's what he want, what's he, he's asking us to do, to bear fruit, to fulfill his uh, word, to obey him, to do good works. And in regards to obedience, I felt, uh, you know, sometimes uh, people struggle, and, and I, please don't think I'm talking have anything in mind here that uh, I know something uh, particularly about you because I don't. Uh, but I know this is human flesh and I know this is common in many churches, but people react to the brotherhood agreements or to the standards and feel like it doesn't give us personal conviction, you know, we're just told what to do and and, uh, and I'm talking about obedience now. Uh, and what does God expect in obedience? Well, you know, standards vary from one church to another, but you're here and you need to honor the standards here. At home, we need to honor the standards there. And I believe those commands 
if the brotherhood agrees on them and we have this in our standards and we come here and we move in or wherever we come from or we've been here, we're, we need to subject ourselves to that uh, or else we're being disobedient. In Matthew 16, 19, Jesus said to Peter that he gives him the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever is bound on earth is bound in heaven. And I think that's what he's talking about, that as church leaders and as church working together, we decide on, on uh, issues and then we abide by it. We cheerfully submit ourselves to it. That is uh, also practical because these things are practical outworkings of scriptural principles. Uh, and that's what all our standards should be, is practical outworking of scriptural principles in this culture and where you live. And if it were, it were in uh, South America in that culture and where they live, we apply those scriptural principles. And uh, in Africa, we, they apply the scriptural principles. And that is being obedient to God and his word and, and giving uh, honor to him. And then in John also, Jesus said to the disciples there that to whosoever sins ye remit, that he remits them. And uh, whosoever sins ye retain, I retain them. And to me that is again giving authority to the body that where they call someone into account for his sins or for his deeds or for his lack of respect or honor that God sees that and God recognizes that and we're accountable to obey that and I'm not saying that these things because I, I'm saying it because it's just human nature it's wherever we go it's just human nature and uh, and these things pop up and I just like to give you that encouragement in obedience to be a fruit-bearing Christian to be a one that that expresses Jesus Christ to the world and to others about us and is a challenge will be obedient even in these things and not be a fusser and, uh, and a troublemaker and, uh, because these are practical applications of scriptural principles that we must honor and that we uh, do well to obey in uh, humility. All right, now in, uh, last point here basically my last point is, how will we, how will you and I be judged? How will we be judged? Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says that we are judged according to our works. So, again, we come back to that doctrine of whether we are saved by grace through faith alone we're going to finally be judged by our works. That's what Ecclesiastes says. But that's Old Testament. So what does New Testament say? Matthew 16, 27, he says that we will be rewarded according to his works. We will be rewarded according to our works. 1 Corinthians 5, 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, whether they be good, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or whether it be evil, whether it be good or bad. 
We are going to, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So we're going to be judged according to our works. Doesn't say anything about our faith. Doesn't say anything about what we believed. It doesn't say anything about our initial salvation experience. I, I believe it's all because our works say what, our, what the, our foundation was. Our works, our fruit, says whether we were attached to the vine or not, whether we were attached to the trunk of the tree. It says, our fruit says that. 1 Peter 1, verse 17, he says, He judgeth according to every man's work. He's going to judge according to every man's work. Revelation 20, verse 12, he says, Judged according to his works. Revelation 22, 12 says, To give every man according as his work shall be. That's how we're going to be judged according as his work shall be. Let's turn down to Matthew 25, verse 31. So when people fuss about being saved by grace through faith alone, we think about these verses and this scripture and I'm not going to read everything in detail here, but you know this scripture. But when the Son of Man, verse 25, Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on the, his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and he gave me meat. I was thirsty, and he gave me drink. I was a stranger, and he took me in. Naked, and he clothed me. I was sick, and he visited me. I was in prison, and he came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee? or thirsty, and gave thee drink, and so on. And then he says, verse 40, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of these, least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Ye have bore fruit. You have bore godly fruit. And you maybe not, were not even aware of what you were doing, but you bore godly fruit. According to John 15, bear much fruit. And then there's the others on the left hand that says, uh, they, he, he said, depart, depart from me. Why? Because you didn't do these things. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't, you didn't care for the sick or, or in prison, and, and, and they just didn't see it. Huh. Then he shall answer them, verse 45, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as he did it not to one of the least of these, he did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. But the righteous 
into life eternal. Fruit bearing. How can this all be reconciled? It is reconciled in Christ Jesus. First of all, we must have faith in Christ Jesus. And we will desire to be like him. We want to follow him. We want to obey him. Yeah. Yeah, we want to obey him. But we want to also obey the practical outworkings that the church has agreed upon. We just want to honor that cheerfully, obediently. We want to obey him. A life of fruit. We want to honor and glorify him. We want to love him first. And we want to love our fellow men. Out of this faith will mushroom a life of faithfulness and obedience and fruitfulness. You know, if it doesn't come forth, if fruit doesn't come forth, there's something wrong with the attachment to the vine. It's not attached properly. But it begins with a true faith in God that will bear fruit unto all eternity. May God help us to bear that kind of fruit and to be fruit-bearing Christians obedient to, to uh, the authorities that God has placed over us. And uh, may we be blessed in that obedience as we walk with him. Let's kneel to pray.